0: This podcast covers mature, intense, morbid, and sometimes just scary stuff. Listener discretion is advised. Old McDonald had a lot of different things on his farm. Chickens, eggs, decaying human flesh, maybe? We're talking body farms on 30 Morbid Minutes today.
1: This is the podcast where we cover topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grizzly nature. I'm Elise Willems.
0: I'm Jessica Usami.
1: Today we're covering a topic that we've talked about a lot, I feel like especially internally, <laughs> and it's long overdue, right
0: Jess? Long overdue. Yeah. And also, why is it called a body farm? Just- <laughs> Like it, there's I know that there's another word for it, but this is the term that we use and it just sounds so like. Oh, yeah. And just... <laughs> and we we get into
1: that a little bit because every facility has their own like more distinguished sounding name. <laughs> but then Body Farms sounds so like it's, it's it's distinctly morbid. Right. Sounds like what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're talking about Body Farms today. And later in the show, we'll actually be talking with our editor, Kelly, who is planning to donate their body to
0: a body farm when they die. I'm so excited for this because Kelly, Kelly is morbid AF. And I didn't know about yes. this. Uh, like Kelly was just, I don't know if Kelly was like assigned to our <laughs> to our <laughs> podcast, but we didn't really know. And we we're like, hi, Kelly is your, your editor. But it just so happened that they are absolutely perfect for our show in every single way. So I'm yeah. very excited. And we'll
1: ask them about that.
0: <laughs> we'll yeah, just get I, to I it. I of,
1: like what was going through your head when <laughs> this podcast got brought to your I
0: am curious about plate.
1: That. First, I think if you are new to this concept, like if you're listening to this podcast now and you're thinking body farm, I've never heard of this before. You are in for a ride. Oh, boy. (laughs) Um, But I'm sure if you're a morbid fan, this is something that's probably crossed your uh, plate before you've heard of it. And uh, but it does beg the question. Let's just for, for clarity, answer the question. What is a body farm?
0: A body farm is basically a research facility, typically a very large swath of land where decomposition of humans and other animals also can be studied in a variety of different settings.
1: Yeah. So it's like it's been put aside specifically for forensic study. Mm -hmm. And that is basically the purpose of a body farm. Um, It's multifaceted because it's a place to study forensic pathology, Mm -hmm. to help solve homicides, to even investigate genocides.
0: Yeah, which is really great because, like, when you think of a body farm at first, you know, it's, like, another way of, like, donating your body to science and all that. But I love the whole, like, FBI forensic side to this because it's like, well, duh. Yeah. Yeah. How else are you going to know? And
1: the thing that kind of surprised me coming into this episode and gathering info on it was The And we'll talk about this because we're going to go through all of the seven body farms uh, in operation within the U.S. But the first body farm was only founded in 1987. Yeah. And then it took, you know, 20 years about for the next one to pop up in the U.S. So – it's a really really new a form of study.
0: I mean it was literally the year before I was born. That's yeah, yeah that's it's I, I've been alive the year after I was born. There you go. We I'm been, older than
1: body farm.
0: <laughs> we're here for body farms. This is our generation at least. <laughs> yeah, we are the, not millennial.
1: <laughs> we're the body farm generation. <laughs> uh and so yeah, so it's all forensic all the time. Body farms allow for forensic scientists to conduct research on decomposition from donated cadavers.
0: It basically like helps determine how, when, where somebody dies by pinpointing like their time of death, cause of death, whether the victim was on any kind of drug and all the different things. Mm -hmm. It creates a
1: setting where you can simulate different types of decay and it's the long term aspect of decay that's most important. Yeah. So you can see what happens to a corpse over a long period of time because, you know, a law enforcement person will, they'll find a body that's been decomposing, but they they need to see like w- how it got to this point basically
0: yeah and when we say putting this body into all different kinds of settings i mean it's everything that you could probably think of like just yes. out there laying in the hot sun yes. versus the shade and and, and you know i <laughs> that's the question i have for
1: kelly which is how much is too much and what what would you like to happen specifically to, or like, do you want to be in one of those cages? Uh, we'll, we'll get to it.
0: Did you look up photos, Elise?
1: Yeah, I've seen some photos, but it's skeletons, you know? It doesn't really, I mean, or, and I did see some bodies that were in different stages of decomposition, but I've seen that sort of stuff before.
0: I know. I think it was, I looked at photos too, and I think it was different for some reason this time around, because I had read everything about a body farm before I looked at the photo. And so it just like hit a little closer to home as in like, that is somebody's body. Mm-hmm. That versus like, oh, I saw a murder, which is like, that's really sad because it shows I'm a little desensitized to that type of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, but still, it was just very interesting to see. I, I saw like an aerial view of these bodies just lying in a field. Yeah. very strange. Yeah. it It is very um,
1: humbling in a weird way mm-hmm. because you're presented with mortality in a very sterile way. But yeah. So basically, it's it's putting cadavers through death scenarios to collect data. On how they are decomposing. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But also, more cute, uh, canine dogs can train there (laughs) because a big part of body farms is also figuring, learning how to like locate bodies out in the wild and then what you do once you find them. Mm -hmm. And um, how you can
0: kind of like identify people after they've decayed, right, Jess? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, even like to development into like how fingerprints change, or whether DNA can be recovered after like varying intervals of decomposition, and that's like even after like bugs have eaten away, maggots, you know, lots of different oh, things. Yeah, the bugs are a
1: part of the body farm experience. Like they are almost like sous chefs.
0: On these <laughs> that's farms a great
1: way to put it. Helping out the investigators. Yeah, uh, it should be worth noting that a lot of body farms they still do or have used pigs instead of humans due to similarity in size and composition to humans. And some of them still, I think, use both humans and pigs.
0: Mm -hmm. I think some body farms in the UK still only just use pigs. Maybe they'll move up to humans soon.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think from this, we'll get into it, but the green aspect of it, of like, what do you do when you die? You know, it doesn't doesn't feel like you're exploiting a person in that sense. And I'm sure we'll get Kelly's take on that, too.
0: That is something I would love to know more about, actually. So,
1: yeah. So there are seven body farms in operation within the U.S., as we mentioned. Mm -hmm. There are more around the world, but for the sake of this episode and where we're located, we're focusing on these seven.
0: Yeah. First one is in Knoxville, Tennessee. Again, we just mentioned this was the first one in 1987, founded by Dr. William M. Bass could be bass. Bass. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Bass, bass, you know, whichever we prefer. I called him Big Mouth
1: Billy Bass. There we go. For a long time, but it turns out he was the bass. But I just thought he was <laughs> Big Mouth Billy Bass because he likes to sing music.
0: Wow, Lee. <laughs> I didn't really. This is a joke. This is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You're, you're going for it.
1: So, yeah. So, Dr. Willie B, he's studying cadavers and forensics, Uh, and he comes with this idea for body farms because he's asked to consult on a local case. And the police notice that there's this Civil War-era grave of this one Colonel William Shy, and it's been disturbed, and the corpse looks really fresh. So they think that someone has actually been murdered and placed in this old grave to cover up the crime.
0: Yeah, he noted because the body seemed so French, he, he, uh, he backed the suspicion, but uh, he was wrong. Mm-hmm. Further analysis of the dead man's teeth and clothes showed that this was indeed William Shy. His body preserved thanks to embalming and a tightly sealed iron casket.
1: Crazy. So like, this is, you know, 100 years after the Civil War. Yeah. And they confuse it with a new body. And so when you go to the Knoxville, Tennessee farm, what you can expect there, it's 2.5 acres and over 150 bodies can be found in various states of decomposition there at any given time.
0: Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. I can't wait to talk to Kelly because like, there's, I'm just like, I think about myself like walking around and- looking around at all of this versus, you know, hey, this is for science and whatnot, but- um, I,
1: I would be riding a dirt bike through it. <laughs>
0: no, um, you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man,
1: I just see I this like kidding. cute little I like blonde girl on this. <laughs> it, I, it must be a weird thing to straddle there because I wonder if like, you know, everybody's doing it for sci- a scientific purpose. And I think a lot of people, when they donate their bodies, they become completely detached from the idea of it being them, right? They're like, I'm totally. dead, I'm gone. This yeah. is just biomaterial. Yeah. But I have to wonder if there are people who still have a certain number, like level of reverence mm.
0: for mm-hmm.
1: the fact that like these were people and you know we're not going to yeah. Yeah, still be respectful,
0: yeah. I feel, but yeah. But one of the cool things, if you want to call it cool, I think it's cool, uh that this facility has done is a lot of different types of forensic research. Um as of 2023, one of their focuses is the effects of decomposition on bodies in mass graves.
1: And yeah, and this is where specifically
0: like the study of
1: genocide and how to like find and identify people who have been part of heinous acts like that Mm -hmm. they're they're doing that work there too Mm -hmm. uh if we move to the east coast to western carolina university Mm -hmm. the forensic osteology research station otherwise known as forest Mm -hmm. they, they all have cool like little um yeah like Names like S.H.I.E.L.D., you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this one opened in 2006. It was the second to open in the U.S. So, again, t- about 20 years passed before
0: the next one opened domestically. Yeah. And this one, twice a year, this farm holds canine cadaver retrieval programs where the little cute doggies are trained to find and detect human remains. Yeah, that's their claim to fame. We oh, love dogs. We do. Uh,
1: 2008 in Texas. And this this is... The one you know of, Jess, maybe? This is.
0: Yeah. This is the one that I went to Texas State University um, talking about their their little names. This one is FARF. Uh, <laughs> for Forensic Anthropology Research Facility, I always just keep thinking it says fart. It is not. <laughs> it is FARF.
1: Um, FARF is pretty funny, too, though. It
0: is. It is. I kind of want to name like a dog that. Come here, FARF.
1: <laughs> anyway. It it's like, I
0: can't. I'm working on learning how to detect bodies. Exactly. <laughs> Very serious business. This one is the largest in the U.S. I did not know this during the time that I went to Texas State. Um, it spans 26 acres. It's huge. In the Texas Hill Country, maybe. I did not know there. I can't tell you how many times there's a uh, a road that goes through um, this facility. When I say go th- goes through, there's like a road in between both sides of the gated um land there that is the body farm. But uh, unbeknownst to me and my friends, we this is a, a very popular road for us just like getting in the car to go smoke doobies um, <laughs> down this r- road. Um, so we would just go down this road like mi- almost every weekend, just <laughs> this road in between this body
1: farm. Imagine just getting <laughs> balls high out of your mind and then wandering <laughs> accidentally onto the body farm.
0: Yeah, well, you can't because it is gated a lot of these and we'll get into that. They have mm-hmm. like, you know, fences and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah,
1: <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the interesting thing about this one is that most donors to this body ranch are both older and whiter than U.S. crime victims. The average age is about 67. And I have to think about in terms of the demographic of people they're studying, how that, you know, plays into you know, if they're not actually studying the people that are being the victims of these crimes, is, is that at a disadvantage? I don't know. Yeah. Um, be curious to know. But, um, yeah, they, they have had a big turnout at this farm, right, Jess?
0: Yeah. And they, they already have uh, 850 dead people that have uh, currently participated, but they also have 1,500 more living donors that are pre-registered.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. And I, I'm, I'm assuming this is Kelly's farm. Maybe. Well, we'll, well we're going to find out here yeah. soon. Yeah. Then there's STAFFS, the Southeast Texas Applied Forensic F- uh, Science Facility. That's in Huntsville, Texas in 2009.
0: Yep. Um, then there's the one, uh, the Complex for Forensic Anthropology Research at uh, Southern Illinois University in 2010. Mm-hmm. And Colorado Mesa University
1: has its FERS, Forensic <laughs> Investigation <laughs> Research Station, which opened in 2012. Um, A smaller turnout. 90 bodies have been staged there since its opening. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: also has a crime scene house, which sounds so fascinating. I love it. And this is where they stage different rooms to simulate crimes.
0: Yeah. This is like using your imagination is key here when you're talking about body farms because like mm-hmm. they stage every imaginable crime as training. Like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that these are just popping up left and right now. If you notice that the the years are, there's not as much time in between them now. Oh, yeah.
1: And I'm sure a huge part of it is, oh, we are saving so much uh, time and money by having these to help solve these cases. So, yes, of course, we should have more.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure.
1: Uh, the, the interesting thing about this one, though, is that the people living near it were real upset about it.
0: <laughs> oh, Colorado's? Yeah. Oh, damn. Like the nearby
1: residents were like, no, we when it was being developed, said, no, we don't want this. Here it's too morbid. Our property value is going to go down. Meanwhile, I feel like living next to a cemetery would be awesome, or something like this, because you would know that you're not going to get some high rise built next to you.
0: That's true. You're not
1: going to get noisy neighbors.
0: Well, depends. Depends on what you you know. (laughs) You never know the body farm. Well, I mean, spirits, paranormal. You just never know. Oh, oh, okay. So (laughs) you're you think you're going to hear a a wailing banshee on the (laughs) moors? Yes,
1: your problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, yeah. No. And then, you know, here, here's some more. We have more. The Institute for Forensic Anthropology and Applied Sciences. IFAS. If IFAS. I-F-A-S. If-as. I-F-A-S. I mean yes. That one opened in uh, 2017 in Tampa, Florida. And mm-hmm. that is uh, dedicated to improving the resolution of violent crimes.
1: There are also body farms in Canada, Britain, India, Amsterdam, and Australia, and it'd be interesting to, at some point, compare and see how those differ than in the U.S. Because also, like, it is a big part of this, and I didn't consider this initially, but location matters, right? Mm-hmm. Jess?
0: mm-hmm. Oh boy, yeah. So, like, the Colorado laboratory is built in a dry desert setting, so vastly different from Tennessee's dense woods, for instance.
1: Yeah, because bodies decompose differently in different climates.
0: Oh, they sure do. So if you're going to have like, if it's like a raging scorching, if you're like in Arizona and the sun, it's constantly like over 100 degrees versus like you're in Montana where the high is like in the 80s, you know. Yeah. Different.
1: Yeah. And meanwhile, in like Amsterdam, they end up burying the bodies to see how they decompose because just culturally too, and, and I think it depends on, you know, how people are trying to hide a murder victim their bodies end up being buried after murder, mostly. So they're like, okay, well, if if it's more common in Amsterdam for uh, murderers to bury someone, that's mm-hmm. what we're gonna do. <laughs> Whereas, like, I don't know, say in a desert, someone might just ditch a body out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, how are you gonna the, dig? There's, yeah, there's yeah for exactly. the vultures to pick at.
0: A hundred percent, and that is a test that they have done on these body farms. Vultures, mm-hmm. we'll get into that, but yeah. So speaking of that, though, some bodies are left out for animals to interfere with or eat on purpose. So, and then some are kept in protective cages, which on makes purpose. sense. It does, yeah. And and yeah,
1: when you look at uh, pictures on a lot of these farms, you'll see these cages over bodies. They kind of look like we talked about it in our uh, grave robbers episode, where sometimes mm-hmm. there would be cages built over graves. Mm-hmm. They kind of Correct. look like that, but just over the cadavers.
0: Yeah. And the body's just literally in there, just decaying, but in a cage. But yeah, what's interesting, though, when it comes to animals, since some of these animals will only consume decomposing bodies that are of certain ages, scientists can use their bite marks to determine the corpse's age. Isn't that bonkers? It's bonkers, yeah.
1: And the idea like, oh, well, like a fox will only eat a body before it's gotten to this decomposition state, Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. but then
1: you might find a, a raccoon would gnaw on it to this, like, that's so interesting.
0: Yeah. Raccoons are trash. They'll just do anything probably. Yeah. I don't know that for sure, but I assume.
1: Yeah. And as we know, there are five stages of decomposition, a mm-hmm. uh, fresh stage, obviously, recently dead, pre fermentation, dry decay, and skeletonization. And those stages attract different organisms.
0: Yeah. And it's crucial to, to study um, those, studying the presence and types of This specific insect's feeding on the body is an important indicator of time past as well. So, for example, like (laughs) Elise said earlier, um, these bugs are sous chefs. Flies come right away, but maggots, for instance, take several days.
1: Oh, yeah. I think I I love these are canaries
0: in the coal mine,
1: Mm -hmm. but with bugs eating corpses to see how, you know, when it's
0: it's uh, right for them. I know flies come even when I'm alive. To be fair, <laughs> these fuckers, right? I mean, come on now, <laughs> jeez. Um, um.
1: Uh, so yeah, they do all kinds of stuff to the bodies to understand the effects. As we said, they leave them out for animals and bugs, and they put them in cages or they just leave them out in the wide open. But they're doing all kinds of experiments.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But some of the crazier ways is encasing bodies in like concrete or stashing them in trailers, covering them in plastic. Um, Or, yeah, just simply leaving them out in the open. Like, what would you do to a body if you killed somebody? Where is it going to be? A body could be anywhere at any time.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. What happens? Under someone's couch cushions. It's like, well, I guess we better test that on the farm. You might as well. Though the anecdote that I thought was pretty great and weird and kind of probably uh, is great insight into the mind of somebody who works and studies in forensics. But at the Illinois Body Farm... There was a lawnmower that accidentally ran over two of the skeletons that were out. So the scientists were like, well, let's make an experiment. And so then they started to study the effects of lawnmowers on human remains.
0: Which is actually, you're very smart. You're right, because it's always by accident, like the body buried in the backyard, or like maybe a finger was popping out. I don't know. Yeah. Something. Yeah.
1: They have to, they have all these different hypothetical scenarios. Yeah. But they have to kind of get outside the box and play out to see. And then also, it's not even just the body they look at. They look at the soil and the surrounding, uh, the vicinity
0: of the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they measure odor and test body leakage. As you know, I think it's like the third phase of decomposition is like bloat. And then, um, you know, then the those liquids mm-hmm. leak out after, um, yeah. you know, as they do. And um, they're also examining teeth. Um, and they do trauma analysis. I mean, literally the works. Yeah, um, you pointed out very
1: early, Jess, that you know we just call them body farms so casually. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, that the actual facilities have much more official sounding names. <laughs> uh, but where did this colloquial term come from?
0: I looked up like where did the term body farm come from, but like it didn't. It you know it the official name and correct. Uh, formal name is, yeah, Forensic Anthropology Center, but the term body farm itself is sometimes credited to the Knoxville police, um, Knoxville, Tennessee, who began using it as slang in the 1980s. So other site novelist Patricia Cornwell, who wrote a 1994 crime novel titled Body Farm. So yeah, so I do think that calling it body farm, you get, you
1: know what it means.
0: Yeah, you're right? not just going to like, you could call it FAC, like forensic, yeah. anth- but like body no, farms we're, cooler
1: planting bodies here like seeds to watch how they kind of the opposite of grow actually but yeah yeah and we are going to talk about what happens to a body when it arrives at the farm right after a word from our sponsors and stay tuned too because we'll also be talking with kelly So the big question: What happens to a body when it arrives at the farm, Jess?
0: I was gonna say a really sick joke, but I take it back. Please, anyway,
1: please, this is the forum for it. Nope,
0: nope, it's not not oh, this no. one. Anyway, do you when were they you do- gonna say
1: they let the bodies hit the floor?
0: <laughs> no, but that's a funny one. That's the oh, one that we are gonna go gosh. with because that's maybe we title
1: the episode "Body Farms." Let the bodies hit the earth. I don't know. Anyway, I like, we need let to let the move bodies on, at the clearly. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah. Here we go. So first thing that happens. When the body gets to the farm, is bodies are assigned a number to log it. So it's kind of like removing their personal s- aspect of it. So like, yeah, it's not like Tom depersonalizes anymore personalizes it. It's like they're not Tom because they've gone. They are now in the afterlife or wherever the hell we go.
1: Yeah. You're just a number. Yep. Um, and then they take samples and they store them. So your hair, your blood, your DNA, because they want to be able to compare those in the future and see how things might have changed
0: hmm Photog- uh, Photographs and measurements are taken. Then they are placed in their desired spot away from other corpses. hmm And you might be wondering how are the bodies
1: actually studied? Because like in movies on archaeological digs, you see Indiana Jones, you know, he's got that like little whisk or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like brushing away dirt. <laughs> it's, yep. it's like, no, that that is a very sterile view of this. Like Sometimes they just have shovels and they're like, get get a shovel, dude. We're digging this body up.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's different than like dinosaur bones. Yeah. I feel <laughs> you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. You got to get your hands dirty <laughs> a little bit on the body farm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they do experiments, of yeah. course. You know. A little more involved, maybe for our
0: <laughs> our knowledge. Yeah. You know, the biggest question I think we all have mm-hmm. that you've been probably waiting for is, Do these body farms smell bad? I I think farf does. (laughs) Yeah, only farf. No, I was going to say earlier that like we, I mean, the windows were clearly rolled down smoking those joints on that road. Uh, No, no smells. Uh, No. No. Wow. Okay. I mean, maybe the weed was just that dank. Could have been. Could have been. (laughs) But yes, as you can imagine, decaying corpses smell. Yes. uh, Therefore, in general, a body farm does smell. Yeah. Yeah. As you can imagine. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> one of Australia's leading forensic scientists, Joan Bythway, uh, works at the Afterbody farm there and told 60 Minutes Australia in 2017, after doing this for nine years and plus working cases prior to this, no, you just get used to it. Oh, boy. That thing that would I think would be gross to me would be if you're not used to it, like Joan, and then you leave the farm and you know what like, smells linger in your nostrils? Yep. So you're you're away from it and you can still smell it. And, ugh,
0: yeah. But. Or like, what if you come home to work and you're like, honey, I'm home. Give me a hug. <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. You smell like a body farm. Were you at the body farm
1: today? <laughs> no, babe, I wasn't. You told uh, me you weren't going back there. I promise you.
0: Yep. I was yeah. at the
1: whorehouse.
0: The whorehouse instead. That smells of a different smell. Anyway. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Some some questions we probably have. Some questions you might have, yeah. So my loved one's remains are at a body farm. Can I get them back? Can I get any information about what's happening with them? These are natural questions to
1: have. Yeah, I think it's a human question. And some farms will offer updates. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you how your loved one's body is being used to protect the lives of others. How they, this gift they gave, this posthumous gift is contributing to forensic research.
0: Yeah, which is really great um but some farms if if you are open to it and got some thick skin will let surviving family members visit the lasting stored skeletal remains
1: which also i think leads into a question if you're not going to visit you know the remains of a loved one can you a regular person just visit a body farm like on a tuesday
0: on a just on a tuesday yeah, yeah you'd you'd be hard pressed to get a tour they they don't do them
1: this is an Alcatraz, people. Okay, it's a body <laughs> farm. All right, no, you, of course you can't visit. Okay, but they are available to, you know, all of, a lot of them are. They're obviously based at universities. So uh-huh. if you're a forensic student there, if you're FBI or part of a law enforcement agency like it, uh-huh. or just an academic researcher, yes, you would probably be granted access to the farm.
0: You got to learn somehow. Yeah. yeah. But however, the University of Tennessee facility offers short courses for the general public who are over 18 uh, years of age that focus on recovery methods, field methods, and human osteology.
1: Yeah, because I do think some of these farms, like maybe the Tennessee one in particular, sometimes they're like, okay, well, we want to do a search and rescue simulation. So we want to be able to send out a group of like 50 people. Yeah. You know, maybe there's a missing person. You know, you see the scene in movies all the time where there's a missing person and then it's late at night and everyone's got flashlights and they're going, they, they might be like, well, we want to we do that and we kind of need volunteers. So if we do these courses for the public, we can get, get the bodies needed, no pun intended.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So where do these bodies come from exactly? Like where are they getting them? We know there's some people that are like pre-registered. But also, there are other ways.
1: Yeah, we got three places to get your bodies from. All right, okay? here we go. <laughs> here we go. Place one, medical examiners. Okay, these guys cannot wait to tone over bodies that have not been claimed. Okay, they say, get this corpse out of here. Yeah, get
0: it out of here. Number two, Jessica. Yeah, family members may donate a loved one's body. You know, oh, that makes this sense. Is where
1: You you know, your Uncle Tommy, what a putz. Get him what out of What
0: a putz.
1: <laughs> Send him to the body farm. Yeah. Number three. Consent, pre-consent here. With this, yep. this is you donate it in your body after death, you sign the form,
0: mm-hmm. you say, mm-hmm. when
1: I die, go with God, take the body.
0: Go with God. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why would you want to donate your body to a body farm? There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. And you know, it
1: typically the answer is you want to benefit the greater good of others.
0: Yeah. You want to contribute to scientific or forensic research, which is great. Thank God, because
1: we need it yeah, you want to be recycled directly into the earth. A lot of people of our generation are not opting for these elaborate funerals with caskets. And we're, we're looking at green alternatives.
0: Yeah. And also like unable to afford other burial rights. Like I was researching before this, that some funerals are like, could be up to like $7,000. And I, I don't know as much about the other body farms, but the one in that I grew up next to, not grew up, went to college near, (laughs) they do um, pickups, like 200 miles, uh, and from the airport, to like a 200 mile radius, they will go pick up a body for you. It's a Um,
1: commentary on my brain that all I can see is the scene from Monty Python and the Holy Grail where he's got, he's, pulling the cart through the village and shouting bring out your dead
0: oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) bring out your dead (laughs) oh i love it yeah that's perfect yeah Um, but i mean like it's just so much when i read that i was like that's such a kind thing to do
1: (laughs) yes it it really is but without further ado we're asking these questions why would you donate your body we gotta go to the source Mm -hmm. we gotta talk to kelly a future resident one day Our editor, Kelly Reynolds, has started the process to donate their body one day when they die. And Kelly is joining us now to answer a few questions.
2: Hey, Kelly. Hello, hello.
0: Oh, my God. I'm so happy you're <laughs> Me here. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to be clear that we have not talked to Kelly in depth at all about this. So we are learning <laughs> and, and no, talking yeah. to them for the first time right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Kelly, I mean, it, we can start asking you questions or if you have any, anything that you want to say or anything that
2: you think we, were, we got wrong <laughs> No, I don't think I don't think anything was wrong. I think just uh, all I have was really um, extra facts about what you said. Oh, please, yeah. No, just just go in like just little little tidbits. Like when you were talking about insect and insect rate and decomposing bodies, how it's not even just what insects are there; it's the stage of their life. Like, um, oh, like the larva versus yeah, the fully yeah, yeah, formed. the larva, larva versus. But even like the length of the larva can tell you how long they've been feeding on a body. Wow.
0: This is great.
2: Yeah, you get like super, super little intricate details like that that really help pinpoint how somebody died, when they died, how long they've been out there. And it's just, it's really cool.
0: This makes me want to be like a freaking detective.
2: This is the (laughs)
1: second time Justice said she wants to be FBI. (laughs) <laughs> Which makes me think she might already be FBI, but she's trying to throw us off the oh, case. Yeah, and...
0: yeah. I'm trying to get to you and Kelly. And it's like yeah. these, these people—they just keep talking about morbid things. Like what they're gonna—they're gonna commit a murder. Yeah, I just yeah. know it.
1: Do you uh, do you remember how you first learned about Body Farms, Kelly? Uh,
2: I do actually. Um, it was an episode of Bones. Um, it was an episode of Bones, specifically called "The Feet on the Beach." Okay. And it was just uh, the episode. The premise of the episode is a bunch of feet wash up on a riverbank, and they're trying to figure out where these feet came from. And then they find out, oh, wait, there's a body farm up the way. And so they take the feet to the body farm. They found out, like, oh, yeah, it flooded, and like seven of our bodies washed away. Oh my God. But like, and they're like, well, we found eight pairs of feet. And it was like, oh, a murder. <laughs> Whoa. Oh. So,
0: wow. So, like, it was so. Right then, you were just like, "That's what I want to do too." Like, what was it about it that you were like, "I want to do that"?
2: <laughs> that was that was kind of just like my first introduction to the concept of body farms. Um, I've I've always kind of wanted, like, at that point, I had always wanted to learn more about forensics, potentially go into forensics. I actually, initially went to college uh, to go into forensic science or physical anthropology, forensic anthropology, but uh, took a hard pivot to media. Mm. That bones episode. that bones episode honestly the entirety of bones but yeah and i started looking more into um body farms and just over time just knowing that the people that donate their bodies to science in that way are honestly helping facial reconstruction identification as well as catching murders for people (sighs) whose bodies you know aren't at the scene of the crime anymore have been moved, have been left in the elements forever, and just mm-hmm. yeah, it's a nice thing.
0: Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> it is a. It's an incredibly nice thing. It's selfless. Like, it is. It's selfless. That's the best word. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like, and and you're yeah. donating to the Texas State. Yes. One? Okay. Yes, I'm
2: donating to Farf. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So like. This is a deeper question, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know your views on like the afterlife or anything. But like, how was or wasn't your decision influenced by your views on the afterlife? Yeah, did you struggle with the idea
1: of this isn't your typical burial? Right? Mm-hmm. Am I damning my soul
2: in some way, or am
1: I compromising?
2: You know? No, honestly, honestly, no. Um, I'm I'm pretty agnostic. Um, I think would be the best term to use. Mm-hmm. I I've I've had paranormal experiences in the past mm-hmm. so like it afterlife in general is just a little fuzzy to me. I don't think we know enough about what happens in the world to know for sure what happens in an afterlife. Mm-hmm. But I've I've always been kind of science and medically minded. My dad's a surgeon, so grew up kind of surrounded by medical everything and because of that, I've always kind of wanted to donate my body to science. Um, I initially thought it was just going to be medical science, but I think there's enough people that donate their bodies to medical science um, in the world. And this is something that not a lot of people know about or are comfortable doing. And I, meanwhile, I'm just like, oh, please leave me in the sun. Let me explode. Solve a murder. <laughs>
0: <I> l- <laughs> in I that order. That. We need to Franken bite that or something. Please leave me in the sun, solve a murder. Yeah, yeah.
1: Leave me in the sun, let me decompose, solve a murder,
0: solve a murder. That's fantastic, Ellie. (laughs) Oh man. So,
1: how long ago, if you don't mind saying, did you start the process of I'm donating my body to the to farf?
2: Um, I've been. It's it's honestly a pretty easy process, so I could really? be done with it. But my my mother is dragging her feet a little bit on sending me pictures oh, like childhood. You pictures. You mentioned us this, <laughs> <Bring> or <you> mentioned <laughs> to, to us, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm thankfully going to visit them. So I'm gonna uh, steal the pictures if I need to. But yeah, it's 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 a relatively simple process. You just need some witnesses um, to sign like your application form, I guess. Uh, because it is kind of like a legally binding thing. but yeah, so i've 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 been in the process of convincing my mother mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for a few months
1: now <laughs> are they, I, I don't want you to talk about it if you're not comfortable, but are are they resistant? your your mom is resistant to the idea of you doing this sort
2: of i I think she's just um i th- I think she's just a little wary of it. It's just it's it's a weird thing. It is a weird thing. I'll fully admit to that. but She's also a morbid person, so I'm sure she'll come around.
0: (laughs) Well, I know that some of them, like we talked about earlier, allow the uh, surviving members to come by. And mm-hmm. and look at the body when, once it's reached its skeletal phase. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Are you? Is that something that you're open to with your family members?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I don't know if um, if farf does that. I know that once um, once your remains have been like studied and cleaned mm-hmm. and are down to the skeletal stage, um, they store them in basically their donated skeleton registry, where your bones can continue to be used and researched and studied. Mm-hmm. Um, most likely for, uh, like, ancestry, facial reconstruction, um, trying to determine, like, age, uh, mm-hmm. demographics, where you've lived. All that kind of stuff can be determined from a skeleton and the state of the skeleton. Yeah. So. Now, do we think when the facility's
1: closed and all the people are gone that the skeletons <laughs> come out and do a little dance party together? Because this, this is what my cartoon brain thinks I, <laughs> when you're describing awesome. all this.
0: That sounds dope. It's like it, Night at the Museum, but Night at the mm-hmm. Body Farm. Oh, yep. my God. They just
1: make Night at the Museum for body farm. <laughs>
0: they really do. That's don't. brilliant, Jessica. That is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the episode now. With the, with the tagline, yeah, throw me out into the sun, uh, solve murder. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever Kelly
1: said. Absolutely. Being at a body farm during a zombie uprising, it must be as bad as a cemetery. <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> i i mean uh, yeah but maybe even well yeah no i would say the same well
1: Well, (laughs) the decomps. i don't know i don't well because the the cemetery it's kind of like they're they've been embalmed they might be lasting a little bit bit, holding together a little bit better Mm
2: -hmm.
1: okay so it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that you started the process it was it was pretty easy so do they do you know do they reject
2: people ever that's a great question I I think there is a disclaimer on the application form uh saying that they like reserve the right to go through your medical history and reject you based on a few things. It's usually infectious diseases as well as there is a disclaimer about obesity and I I think that's just a factor of infectious diseases mm-hmm. dangerous for other people to be around even after you're dead. Yeah. And I I don't know I don't know the full reasoning behind anything else, but um, I know that they do they do go through your medical history and they do kind of make a determination from there. So interesting. Yeah,
1: because I would also think that if they can only have a certain number of cadavers at any time, they can only be studying a certain number at any time, they might be like, well, we've got so many that fit this criteria, this person's in this age demographic, they're this race, they're this, you know, mm. whatever their biological makeup is, they mm-hmm. might be like, well, we've, we're covered in this way, so we don't need any more (laughs) of
0: this. Yeah. You
1: know, so we look, well, what we want is, is someone who fits all these other criteria.
0: It's like a casting session. You know, it's like you're like casting Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, we've already got enough. Like if you need an agent or something, you're like, we already have enough, like medium sized brunettes. Next. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Casting at the body farm. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. All right. yeah, Cool. So, yeah. So you fill out the form and, and like, what happens if you change your mind between now and death? Like if you're if, you know, five years from now, you're like, I don't want to do this anymore.
2: I I think at that point, you're probably good to just like move forward with other funeral arrangements because part of <laughs> part of the like transportation from wherever you die to the body farm itself is um, a little picky. Uh, usually your family has to arrange to get you sent there. So if your family doesn't do that, there's no way of getting you there. They don't come and, you know, like knock on your door and go like, hey, I heard you died. Time for us to get the body. Mm-hmm. And I know that at the very least with with uh, the Texas uh, State University farm, they will only like coordinate pickups from hospitals, I believe, uh, hospitals, morgues within a like a hundred mile radius of the, of the location, anything else you have to, um, the family has to arrange transportation themselves. Mm. And they also like won't pick up from a private residence either. So there's, there's ways if you change your mind, um, to kind of like get around it. Damn. And I, I
0: was also going to ask you, you kind of touched on it a little bit of like, You're signing these documents and like, this is what I want to do with my body. And even if the family does not agree with it, it's like, once you're dead, is there any, those documents are law binding, right? So as in like, the family can't be like, oh, she's dead now. So I'm not gonna, so I'm gonna bury them instead of bringing them to the body for because I didn't like it.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm sure that other like somebody could advocate on your behalf and be like, "Hey, there were witnesses, mm. this was signed, this was submitted, you need to respect uh their wishes." But I don't I don't actually know the full like legal process.
0: Yeah. Damn.
2: Do you um
1: I mean, I don't know what your plans are if you think that you'll always kind of stay in Texas, but is that something <laughs> that you consider of of I've signed myself up for this, so I, if even if I move across the country, I better still have a plan in place that my body would be brought back to Texas.
2: Yeah. I, I think it, it kind of depends on like where I'll end up later in life. If there is a body farm, like, you know, if I move to uh, Colorado and I'm like right next to that body farm, I'll probably look into, um, <laughs> donating through them uh but sort of you you die and then all these body farms are
1: coming out the woodwork being like well they told us we could have them they told us we could have them
0: no us yeah yeah okay all right kelly i see what's up yeah, yeah, kelly, I, yeah. See that. I see what's happening here
2: you know this this one can have an arm this one can have a leg yeah. oh, you know
0: there you go yeah
2: so I know you touched on this a little bit ago, like you're like, solve
0: a murder. Is there anything that, there, is there any specific thing, and if it is just solving a murder, that's great, that you want your body to accomplish? Like, say, for instance, there is an afterlife and you're looking down and you see your body at the body farm and it's helped in some way. What's wh- What are you kind of hoping that your body helps? Great question.
2: Very specifically, I want to be shoved in a suitcase and like put in cement or put under the water. Um, okay. Just because there are... There are a lot of like Jane Doe's uh, John Doe's unsolved murders of like people that are found just crammed into like suitcases, duffel bags An oil drum oil drum, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, yeah and um it's just it's those kind of those kind of situations where the body's completely removed from wherever they were uh murdered. Mm-hmm um and has been just like shoved in this thing and then buried or put in cement or put under the water and there's just so many different variables as to how that body can decompose and what information you can get from it whenever it's found that i feel like doing something like that um focusing on something that a lot of like unsolved cases like just you know the common thread yeah. of like how bodies are found i would really really want my body to go towards doing something like that and figuring out something like that, giving more information in a controlled environment to help solve the things that are in the uncontrolled environment.
1: And I think that's a a very, very selfless, even more so, mentality to have. Because, you know, I kind of have this romanticized version of like, they'll lie me down in this field and, (laughs) oh, the sun will (laughs) bore down on me and the raccoons (laughs) will play in the nearby (laughs) boat. But, like, being like, yeah, put me in the suitcase, put me under the cement. Like, that's metal, Kelly.
0: Damn, that's fucking metal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So you
1: didn't have any problem working on this podcast, we
2: yeah yeah. Let's <laughs> but go back to that. <laughs> How did no, that work No, out? no problem. Um, I think it was it was pretty much just um, new podcast was spinning up, and uh, Nick, my boss, and I were kind of discussing about who was going to be taking on what, and uh, he was just like, hey uh elise and jessica are doing like a, a morbid podcast about morbid facts and stuff mm. and i was just like oh absolutely sign me no. up oh
0: yeah that's what's up okay well, great it,
2: <laughs> it has been so much to
1: our benefit to have you because you were just a rock of this show yeah and you make every episode you make us sound more intelligent mm-hmm. and coherent and <laughs> you just we, you just also get it you get it And we would be lost without you. So thank you so much. Is there any lasting stuff you want to say or impart? Or Jess, if you have any remaining
0: questions. Not that I can think of in this moment, but good thing I can talk to Kelly whenever I want. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Kelly, do you have anything else? Like, please. I, I mean, I would just... I would say, like, if you're if you're curious, like, look into it. There's a few like um, Vice documentaries, and like I think Australia had a um, a news series on body farms. There's a lot of like information out there, and of of course, you're if you look up visuals, you're going to see a lot of dead bodies. So just be warned. <laughs> I saw that. but yeah it's it's fascinating it's just really fascinating what what these places accomplish what kind of information is gotten from them i know in the i think it was the vice documentary uh, you guys mentioned the bodies that are kept in cages to keep them from the animals Mm. and there was one particular one where they were i think teaching a bunch of police officers and fbi officers and crime scene investigators about what different animals will do to a body and they were watching um, footage of crows and ravens um, picking at a body and they were just watching as it gets moved around and all of the arms are in different positions Gosh. as the crows get at them. The body like rotated 180 degrees Whoa. and it's just it's it's things like that that let people really see and know that like just because you found this body in the woods like this that doesn't mean that that's how it was left mm-hmm. um, and like. I didn't even think about yeah, it's just just stuff like that that you really wouldn't understand and, like, be able to show people as readily who are, you know, out in the field and actually, like, working on legitimate murders and everything without places like this.
0: This really makes me want to do this now. It's like, <laughs> that's so fascinating because, like, I didn't even think about that. You're right. Like, if these giant-ass vulture birds are like, picking at it, rotating it, mm-hmm. move, yanking it around, moving it around, and then mm-hmm. the detective comes and they're like, okay— You know, like you (laughs) got to think about these things and and they need to have the proper training for all of that. And that's what these bodies.
1: I just (laughs) I just have this (laughs) mental image of Jess and I signing up for the body farm. They're bringing our bodies there and then they just unceremoniously toss us into a ditch. Not (laughs) not so unlike when when Uncle Phil on Fresh Prince used to throw jazzy Jeff out the house. ah, We just
2: (laughs) crumpled. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I think there was there was one other thing, just one last little thing Um, that was that was also in that that vice video. Um, But it was one of the police officers was talking about a hypothetical situation. But like it's it's things like if, say, somebody committed suicide, shot themselves, and um, then animals get out their body and they, you know, pull out the arm, they move the gun because it's, you know, ooh, shiny, shiny metal. And by the time police find it, they're like, oh, this is a homicide. The gun's over here and it's been disposed of. And it's it's things like that that you need to be aware of what scavenging animals can do to a body.
0: You're so right. See, there's another thing I didn't even think about. They could be playing with evidence in the, in the gun.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh. The squirrel did it.
0: Is the fucking <laughs> squirrel of the gun ten times? Oh jeez. Um,
1: no, that that is all absolutely fascinating, and the things you don't think about.
0: No, you, you don't really think don't. About it. Now, I, now this is crucial. Body farms are absolutely crucial. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that before. I'd know that now. Yeah, I hope
1: uh, to our listeners maybe this motivates you to go check them out too. It is fascinating to read about and really eye opening.
0: You can check out the doc too, Kelly. Yeah, the spice doc you're mm-hmm. talking about.
1: Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Kelly, for sharing your story with us and more info.
0: Thank you, Kelly.
1: Yeah, of course. And everything um, for the thank you for cutting this episode. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you could drone episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but yeah, so that that was long overdue. And I'm so glad we did it.
0: Me too. And you know, as always, we got some awesome merch. At the uh, Rooster Teeth store under 30 more minutes, got some shirts in there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this comes out. When does this episode come out? This January is not gonna second. Yeah, mm-hmm. never mind. The holidays are over. So you missed it. You missed the sales.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you blew it. But I mean, you we, blew always it. Have, we always have cute, fun stuff. Yeah. And morbid yeah. with like a dash of whimsy sometimes. There you go. And you can go to store.roosterteeth.com to yep. shop the 30 morbid collection and you can also follow us on social media at 30 morbid minutes we do all kinds of little morbid bite-sized facts and things to whet your appetite between episodes hell yeah what do we do a bod bye this week
0: Kelly? do we and then kelly also participates <laughs> bod bye
1: bod bye bod bye